0: Hey friends, welcome to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Shannon Leibold, and I'm here with my co-host Lynn Martin. And we're so glad you've joined us. This is a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel and beyond. It's a space where we celebrate how God is turning brokenness into beauty. Each week, we chat with a guest and share stories from our own lives. As Ephesians two ten says, we are God's masterpiece, His work of art, and He's shaping us into something beautiful. Welcome to episode 55 of the Mosaic Podcast. I'm your co-host Shannon
1: and I'm Lynn
0: and we are delighted to be with you today. Thank you for uh, pressing play as you're going about your day. Uh, we have a great episode lined up for you today as always uh, we are continuing in our series on prayer with our book how to pray by Pete Gregg and so we're going to be discussing a couple chapters in the book we have a great conversation with Janice Slippert and then we have another uh, art piece and teaching time about prayer and so that's kind of where we're headed uh, today. we also we want to share something personally with you, an example of um, since we're talking about prayer, an example of when we know that God has spoken to us either as a result of, Uh, contemplative prayer which we're going to talk about today or listening prayer and so we want to share a personal story about that but we thought it might be better to do that after the book discussion just so we can kind of lay the groundwork on these two things and then we'll share an example of when we've experienced God speaking um, in one of those ways so you can look forward to that Um, but for now let's jump right into the book discussion. We are uh, on step four, which is called YIELD. And if you remember, the author uh, gives us an acronym, PRAY, P-R-A-Y. And we've talked about pausing. We've talked about rejoicing and asking. And now we are talking about yielding. And the two chapters we're talking about is contemplation and listening. And so... um, like Lynn said before we hit record, we're talking about not talking in prayer. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what we're trying to do today. So um, there's lots of words here. He he does a great job of
1: talking about it, but it's true. This is a part of prayer where we're really largely not not speaking. So it, we're we're tackling something today. I think that probably most of us who are listening are are maybe not as comfortable with. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Um, I think it's always something, a place to be stretched and grown in.
0: For sure. So he begins the chapter on contemplation with a story of a conversation he had with Brennan Manning. And our author, if you remember, has started the 24-7 prayer organization. And so he was sitting down with this gentleman. And he said, so you guys are praying night and day, right? And Pete nodded. And then uh, Mr. Manning said, so tell me. How do you ever know when you've prayed enough? And of course, um, Pete wasn't quite sure how to answer, but he kind of fumbled his way um, through an answer. And then eventually, uh, Mr. Manning talked about how um, perhaps it's the most important thing is not what we say in prayer, but, but to actually just go into God's presence and, and to sit and, and to listen with him. Or listen to him um, and that's that's contemplative prayer he says this what if the hour you spend in the prayer room is when you refocus on Jesus so that you can carry his presence with you into the other 23 hours of the day with a heightened awareness that he is with you he is for you that he likes you that he hears your thoughts and then you start to pray in real time You instinctively lift situations to the Lord in the actual moment that you experience them while you're watching that distressing news report or hearing about your friend's latest crisis. You're not no longer deferring all your prayer to some later holier moment because your whole life is becoming that holier moment. And I love that. I love the idea of of praying in the moment and then using that time that we set aside to be with the Lord just to sit with him and to listen to his voice
1: and and this is something that i think we struggle with we struggle with it in so many levels we don't know how to stop and just be still in the first place we don't know how to not uh, allow ourselves to get distracted and and then we also are are fighting i think um we're living in a, a deeply spiritual world and as a result, some of these practices are um, are learned already and, and very much um, a part of the, the New Age Eastern sort of mysticism that um, permeates our culture. And so when we hear some of this, I think we can get nervous and think, wait, that's not for me. But, but there are countless examples in scripture and and. And just even throughout lives of of um, godly men and women in our in our our current history, where this is where God works. It's not just a checklist. It's not just about okay, I do this and this and this, and my prayer is done. Th- that's not that's just me working.
0: Contemplative
1: prayer is about God working and allowing uh, ourselves to see that.
0: Mm-hmm. He says, if petition is prayer at its simplest, and intercession is prayer at its most powerful. Contemplation is prayer as it at its deepest and most personally transformational.
1: Yeah, I really like that, and I also I really like he makes this very practical, and this is a such a hard thing to explain, um, and I think Greg does a really good job of doing that. He he takes it down to science, which helps us, to, I think, to understand. You know, we and we understand when we talk about our brain. There's the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. Um, and the left hemisphere—that's the cerebral cortex. So that's the thing, the place where we we're more precise, where we are using our minds for rational processing. But Greg makes the point that when God says um, we're to love Him with all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our minds, it's not just the left hemisphere of our of our brain. We're supposed to use the entire brain, and that means that other side too. Um, where where it's that right side where we where there's sort of more of a subconscious thing going on and and where we're just seeking to learn and rest, and what I also love is that he gives us some examples that are really everyday because I think we can be a bit afraid of this, um, but he says I, he actually believes that most Christians already practice contemplation and experience God's presence way more than they realize. So then he gives some examples of of listening to a a song or singing a song corporately in worship and and as the you're in the middle of that song you really sense god's presence or or you feel like time stands still or um like charles wesley says um lost in wonder love and praise and so we we i think could all relate to some of those moments um and that's just the the beginning of, of
0: this idea of contemplation mm-hmm So he goes on to talk about how to practice contemplative prayer. And he says, think about it as a journey that passes through three stages. From number one, um, meditation, me and God. To uh, number two, contemplation, God and me. To communion, only God. And I love thinking about that, how it just gets... um, our focus is, is changed from ourselves to God.
1: He breaks it down really, in a just a beautiful way. And he makes it clear, like meditation isn't about sitting somewhere and humming, you know, <laughs> like how we can sometimes think about that, but it's really just about fixing your thoughts on something. That's what meditation means. And so fix your thought on a, a phrase of the Bible or, um, a verse or or just something that, that God is bringing to your attention. And, and that's meditation. So it's not, and we can easily get distracted from it, but we start there. That's me and
0: God together. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard it said often that, we all know how to meditate because we all know how to worry and worry is fixing our thoughts on something and we obsess about it and we think about it over and over again. It's like we chew on it in our minds and that's, that's what meditation is, except it's, it's chewing on God's words. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He gives an example that kind of incorporates all three of these ideas, these steps or stages, um, so going from meditation to contemplation to communion. And he gives an example of actually going to a movie and watching a movie. And how um, when you first start the movie, it's just you and the film. You're eating your popcorn. You're kind of distracted by the things going on around you. But then you start to get into the, the story and it draws you in. And, and now you're starting to care about about those characters it's starting to feel real so it's gone now from meditation to to contemplation and then if the movie is really good like so great you don't even remember where you are you you're all into the story it's all about the film Um, you're transported into just a different reality and and that's when you get to that place of in parallel communion with god i really like that Mm -hmm. we're longing for that and (laughs) and god has a way for us to actually um experience that
0: yeah he says your soul is crying out for a deeper encounter with christ and if your faith is to thrive for years to come if it is to survive seasons of darkness and pain If you are to know and be known by Jesus in a richer, more fulfilling way, if you are to continue engaging with him when words no longer have meaning, if you are to become the loving person he wants you to be and to see the world the way he sees it, you must make space in your busy life for regular meditation, contemplation, and communion with God. And oh, that's hard. That's so hard because we all have a million things to do every day. And so to carve out space, to to just be with God, it seems so unproductive.
1: Yeah, it's true. And so he gives us a little catchphrase because sometimes those catchphrases can be quite helpful. And he says, when I pray contemplatively, I have to show up, shut up, and look up. <laughs> so if that's helpful for somebody just to think about it that way, this is not something, you know... Um, That is impossible for us. It's something that that God does lead
0: us in, and it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And then closely connected to contemplative prayer is listening, because we all know that prayer is not to be a one-way conversation. It's to be a two-way conversation, and so we speak to God, and God speaks to us. It's a living conversation with a loving God, which means that we must listen as well as talk. Um, and I think, again, this is, it goes against our nature. It's hard to do. It's hard to listen.
1: Well, and and we fall victim so easily to thinking, what if this isn't God's voice, mm-hmm. right? Because we, we have other voices that are... Clamoring for attention all around us, and we want to get it right. And I think sometimes we so badly want to get it right that we're afraid to make a mistake, Mm -hmm. or, or yeah. And that's God, God is such a God of love and graciousness. And if we're truly seeking Him, even if we do mess it up, He's going to make that part of the journey that's Mm -hmm. going to be beautiful.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think, too, another way we miss His voice is that God doesn't typically shout. He he speaks in a still small voice and like, like Lynn said, there are so many other voices in the world clamoring for our attention. And I know myself, I have a podcast going or typically it's a podcast anytime there's a moment of quiet. Like if I'm folding laundry or driving in the car or whatever or washing dishes, I've got a podcast going. And so my goodness, how on earth can the Lord speak if I've got other voices in my head It's true. now he does speak through those voices too, but he does. But I need to be aware of that and yeah. to Well be
1: quiet. and then and then to learn to be obedient and act on them. Even yeah. if we're thinking that it feels strange or or maybe outside of our comfort zone, there's something there to be done and and, and maybe it'll turn out to be nothing, but But if we act on those things, we'll start to learn to recognize what God's Mm. voice
0: sounds like. Yeah, obedience is key. So he said, here are some various ways in which God speaks. We can hear God in the Bible. We can hear him in dreams and visions. We can hear him in counsel and common sense. We can hear him in personal reflection. And we can hear him in action.
1: And we just skipped right over that dreams and visions one <laughs> because we don't want to, we think, whoa, what can that be? But I think, like, that happens too. God does. He shows us images in different ways, and it can just be as simple as seeing a sign somewhere, like an actual living, breathing sign, that yeah. is it just hits us right where we need to be. God uses the small things and the big things, and, and, and these are all true things that God
0: does. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about hearing God in the Bible. Um, He says, the Bible wasn't meant to be read through. It was meant to be prayed through. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so good because the Bible is God's communication to us. And when we pray it back to him or pray through it, engage with it as if it's a conversation, that's so, um, it's so meaningful and helpful.
1: He says, the Bible is more than an inspired doctrinal textbook. It's also living and powerful, just like Hebrews says. Um, and in other words, while we're reading the Bible, it is also reading us. It's discerning the thoughts and intents of our hearts. I mean, God is, not the Bible itself. But um, but we can't just learn from the Bible. We have to listen to. And and there's so many times where that's happened that, you know, you're reading a passage that you've read so many times before, and it just hits you in a different way that you've never seen. That's God at work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about hearing God in dreams and visions. Um, I want more of this. I often pray as I'm falling to sleep, Lord, um, there's that verse, I think it's in Psalms, where it says, he instructs me even in the night. And so, mm-hmm. Lord, teach me in the night. Speak to me about, you know, what what you want me to know. And, and I would love for God to.
1: Have you ever had an experience like that?
0: Um I've had experiences where I'm like, can't tell if I'm awake or sleeping, you know, kind of in that stage of not fully awake, but not fully asleep. And like lines of a worship song or uh, lines of a, a Bible verse will come to mind that applies specifically to a situation. And I'll think, okay, yeah, that's the Lord. It's
1: absolutely. Absolutely the Lord. And, and we can so easily try to you know, put it to the side. Oh, that wasn't really real. But of course it is. And, and let's like you have said in a previous podcast, like these are gifts and and receive them. Don't, don't turn your back on them because God's giving them as gifts. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, Then hearing God in counsel and common sense. Um, when God chooses not to speak in extraordinary ways, no angelic visitations or prophetic revelations are forthcoming. It's probably because He wants to speak in more ordinary ways through conversations with friends, biblical reflection, and the counsel of those we trust. And I find that that's God speaks to me through ordinary means. And when mm-hmm. I when I actually stop and attribute, you know what. What someone has said or whatever that connects to my situation, attribute that to God speaking to me, I feel like I notice it more if I actually say, no, that's God.
1: I think it's about learning to use our attention muscle, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better way of phrasing it, right? To learn to be more attentive because God is speaking to us constantly Mm -hmm. in so many ways. And and yet, we we just it's so easy for us to write it off in our brain. But instead, if we actually turn on that button in our brain to say, "Yes, mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna attend to this," and and see what God has, He answers the mm-hmm. questions that we, we we bring to Him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that relates to hearing God and personal reflection. Most people today miss the voice of God because it's not because it's too strange, but because it's too familiar.
1: Yeah, he's, this was really good. I was reading this earlier and I just, it felt like exactly what I needed to hear in the moment because, you know, sometimes you're so anxious and so caught up and okay, God, please reveal this to me or help me know what to do here or speak to this person, whatever our prayer request is. And, and sometimes you just need to step away and go about your day, mm-hmm. and then God does speak. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it's about just sort of turning off that part of your brain that is so hyper aware. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then it comes to you. Um, and then finally, hearing God in action. And this um, goes back to what you said earlier, Lynn, about obedience. You know, when we hear the voice of God, we need to obey, and then we'll we'll recognize it. Um, easier the next time.
1: I really like, he says, he gives us two questions to just, you know, when you're trying to decide is this from God or or am I supposed to do this or whatever it is, that question of obedience. He says, um, ask yourself, is this like Jesus? So if I obeyed this idea, would the resulting action reflect the character and purpose of Christ? It is. Is it the sort of thing that he would do? So it's kind of like going back to that, remember that WWJD phrase mm-hmm. thing? It's it's that. Is this like Jesus? And then the other question, what's the worst that could happen if I were to get this wrong? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's not going to be, I mean, if the worst thing is you're going to be embarrassed, you got to go for it, mm-hmm. guys. <laughs> because yeah. sometimes it's just about getting us out of our comfort zone. That's what the obedience is calling us yeah. to. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so definitely learning to hear the voice of God is, is a process. And I'm, oh man, I'm still learning. I'm, it, it, it's going to take a lifetime to kind of cultivate that relationship where I easily recognize his voice. And so we just want to encourage you to uh, make space in your life to listen, to um, just meditate on his goodness and his glory and allow him space to speak to you and we want to just end those are the two chapters but we want to end this discussion by giving you a personal example of when we know that god has spoken to us either as a result of contemplative prayer or listening prayer so lynn do you have an example
1: yes and i didn't write it down so i'm going to try to not just keep on talking (laughs) we'll see how that goes It's a long story, but um, basically I I had about a year and a half where God spoke to me through uh, a journey of coming to be thankful for the rain as well as the sun, Mm -hmm. which sounds kind of silly, but um, I was a friend and I were praying and she actually pushed back on me pretty hard because I had made a comment about how much I hate the rain and and we were actually reading um, Psalm 84 together and um, that was the passage in, in Psalm 84 that stood out to me it was when it was talking about the rains and I couldn't understand why God would speak to me with the rains because I don't like rain. And so she said, well, why, how could you not like rain? And she sort of pushed back and, you know, this is where, how things grow. And this is, if we didn't have water, we couldn't survive. And, um, and that just started me on this journey. And it really was about learning to be attentive. And there were lots of things. The part of it is that it's so amazing is that it, there were a lot of things that happened over the course of that year. And it all actually revolved around seeing rainbows at different times. Mm. Um, and it was so clearly from God uh, to the point that one of the times that I saw a rainbow and I didn't know this was possible and so it's it, I always hesitate to share it because it it was so beautiful but I was actually driving and the rain was coming down to the left of my car and the sun was shining to the right of my car and the rainbow shone and it was actually shining on my car mm-hmm. which I you know the whole idea of getting to the end of the rainbow. I was at the end of the rainbow. That was
0: really cool, <laughs>
1: and I just was in awe of that. And I think I would have been in awe of that regardless. But in light of this whole journey, right? And it was just God was redeeming those moments, and bit by it bit, and it was so personal and so very much between God and me that He wanted to show me that he had something beautiful and, and especially I was thinking today with the rainbow, the rainbow has been almost, well, almost, it has been stolen from us for what the symbolism of it really is in God's eyes. And so to reclaim that, I think, um, yeah, it was just really important. So that's my story with lots of other things in there, but that I'm skipping, but how about you, Shannon, tell us your
0: story. That's beautiful. Um, My story is from today actually. Um, I've been feeling the last week or two or three kind of a little discouraged in how quickly or not so quickly um, scripture and story is growing. Um, And so this morning I was praying about it and I said, Lord, you know, what do I need to do? Do I need to to buckle down and work harder, produce more, do more social media. Um, what do I need to do to to cause scripture and story to grow? And, and I said, Lord, I just want it to bear fruit in the lives of women. I really, really do. And so I prayed about that and I wrote it down in my prayer journal and then I went on with my day. And I've been trying to train myself to listen for the voice of God, specifically to what I prayed for that day, and I have a section in my prayer journal where I write down how He answered. And so I, I always tell the Lord I want to fill up this section. Like I want, I want to hear Your voice speaking to me. And so, later this morning, I was listening to the Bible Project overview video on the Gospel of John for a project that I've just started. And the narrator of that video was talking about John 21 when. Um, Jesus has been resurrected. This is after his resurrection. But the disciples decide just to go back to fishing because it's what they know. And so Peter and other disciples, they go out fishing all night and they catch nothing. And as the sun is coming up in the morning, um, Jesus is standing on the shore and he calls to them and says, what have you caught? And they say nothing. And Jesus says, cast your net on the other side of the boat and they do and of course there's this huge catch of fish and then the narrator of the video said this as followers of jesus we are most effective in this world when our focus is not on our work but on simply listening for jesus voice and obeying him when he speaks and I, I don't know about you when, when you sense the Lord speaking to you, but I kind of freeze. Like I kind of...
1: <laughs> can't be true. No, this can't uh, be real. <laughs> yeah,
0: like it, it's almost like it's highlighted. Like whether it's in a book or on a podcast or in a video or whatever, you know, someone else is saying it. But it's almost like it's highlighted for me. And I, and I knew that was for me. I knew God was saying, stop focusing on the work. Stop trying to produce. But listen for my voice and obey me.
1: You know that that is addressed, if you remember, in the chapters we just read. And you, when you're mm-hmm. saying that, it's making me think of it. And I did put a star beside it. Um, it he's quoting a man who, um, when they found his journal after he had died, he he says one of the very last things he wrote in his journal was that the usefulness of my life is his concern, not mine. It would be indecent of me to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And I say that to not just you, Shannon, yeah. because it's so true of all of us. We want, yeah, we want to, we want to bear fruit. Well, that's this is he's saying that's God's business. Yeah,
0: it is. It's true. That's yeah. So, yeah, those are just a couple of examples of how God has spoken to us. And um, again, I just encourage you to. To listen for the voice of God. Allow space in your life to do that and then to act on what he says. Yeah,
1: because he is speaking. He really is. So just we just need to listen.
0: We are here today with Janice Lippert and looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have with you, Janice, about prayer. So let's just jump right in and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, what you do, what you love, kind of a typical day in this season.
2: Okay, I'm originally from the East Coast. I was born in Newfoundland. I grew up in New Brunswick and I'm an only child. I met my future husband, Jerry, while I was finishing up an undergrad at University of Waterloo. In July, we will celebrate 38 years of marriage. We have a son, Seth, and a daughter, Amy, two amazing grown children, both married to great people. And we have five lovely grandchildren, ages five months to six years. Fun fact, our three grandsons are named after Old Testament prophets. Joel, Elijah, and Nathan. Our firstborn granddaughter, Lucy, is the light of our lives, and her little sister, Grace, is a true gift. The things I love to do is to take a daily walk with Jerry. Usually we walk downtown New Hamburg to pick up the mail. (laughs) That sounds a little uh, boring, but we actually do look forward to that. And in the summer months, we walk around Leslie Lane Loop at our cottage on Conestoga Lake. I do love to prepare a nice meal, complete with a fancy dessert. I am very happy to report that our son Seth is a real foodie and does a great job on the main course, while Amy has taken on the dessert rule, so they're following in my footsteps. Mm. Amy's carrot cake takes top honors. I do love organizing pictures, scrapbooking, and together Jerry and I did an online Lippert photo book last year. I love to keep in touch with my family in the East, mostly through phone calls, but we did manage a trip to see our New Brunswick and Prince Edward Island relatives last August. In 2017, Jerry retired from the Woodstock Toyota plant And three years later, I unofficially retired from private piano teaching. During those next years, we were highly involved in the care of both sets of our parents. Between December 2017 and May 2022, we experienced the loss of each of them. We have transitioned now to that generation. Mm -hmm and we've welcomed five grandchildren during those five years. We're recently getting our bearings with a bit more flexibility, yet never bored with life or with each other. We both love summer and winter sports together, boating, stand up paddle boarding, and in the winter downhill skiing and snowshoeing, and some biking thrown in there. We love having relatives, or friends come to our cottage and this July the long weekend will be a first Jerry's family are all coming for a family reunion
1: well that sounds really lovely everything about that sounds really lovely Mm -hmm. right down to the walking to the post office to get your (laughs) mail that sounds really really fun yeah. So so Janice, you know we are talking about prayer and, and when we asked you if you would consider coming on, you were excited because you love to talk about prayer. So we're excited to hear what you have to say and we know mm-hmm. you will have something beautiful to share. Um, so we want to know about your current prayer rhythms. Um, how and when do you pray and, and what is going well and what do you find difficult?
2: Okay, I'd say for the last 10 years, My personal time of prayer happens first thing in the morning. So I have this devotional, which I showed you earlier. And I have a pre-prayer ritual. And it doesn't always have to happen in this order, but usually I gather my thoughts by reading the daily devotional. And then there are three designated sections of the Bible that I read for each day. And this is designed to take you through the Bible in a year and then the journal section I might write in actually I might write in that first it depends on my mood and the final thing when I really get down to prayer I pull out a separate prayer journal of just a blank book I always have the day and the date at the top and for the entire page That is what I pray for, for that day. So you've done it
1: before, ahead of time? I write it out.
2: And so, um, it's a blank page. So this morning, there's nothing on that page. Okay. (laughs) The first thing I prayed for was the interview. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so, sometimes, I will... um, Record future prayer requests say two to three weeks down the road uh, What might be happening? so I don't forget and I find out specifics so I can pray more intently for that need or the person and I look back over most of the time two to three weeks in the past sometimes even longer and I rejoice over answered prayer and I um, it helps remind me to keep praying for a certain situation or a person and sometimes I have an ongoing daily prayer request for a person who's struggling in a deep way um, the following verse from Psalm 5 verse 3 really resonated with me over the winter months in the morning O Lord you hear my voice in the morning I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. Through the years I've read and used many helps on prayer and the thing that works for me is to just do it. (laughs) One little tidbit I will share though that my kids think is rather funny is SSS. I prayed it for them and now I'm praying it for their children. The first S is safety, the second is salvation, and the third S is for their spouse. Mm. Maybe they don't think it's that funny now that they've been married, Seth and Melody, for 10 years this year, this month, and Amy and B.J. nine years in July. So now they've had all those years of being married. They probably don't think it's that funny. They probably (laughs) think it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So just last week, I read a verse that pretty much sums up the view of prayer as described by Timothy Keller in his excellent book on prayer. And we know you probably heard Timothy Keller passed Mm -hmm. away just a few weeks ago. And he called, he gave prayer this kind of description a combination of peaceful adoration and assertive supplication and I found this nugget in Deuteronomy 4 7 just a couple of weeks ago the words of Moses to the Israelites before they were going to enter the promised land and it's in the form of a question what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord, our God, is near us whenever we pray to Him. Hmm. Isn't that neat? It's lovely. <laughs> hmm. Hmm.
0: I love your practice of writing down your prayer requests and for that specific day and that specific event and yeah. person. and Because um, I don't know about you, but... I'm so forgetful that I would forget yeah. if I didn't write it down. So that's... I don't even remember what I did yesterday, let alone <laughs> <laughs> what I prayed for. Yeah. It's an increasing problem. I know. I know. we too. Um, so thanks for sharing that, Janice. Um, do you notice differences in praying in community versus alone? How have you been blessed by praying with others?
2: Yeah. Well, the first person I think of is Jerry. Um... We don't have like a designated prayer time together as a couple, but we always pray at meal times, um, particularly at lunch and supper. And it's special when we pray for someone or something we're both familiar with. And it's like a uniting of our wills for God's will to be done. And there's something very marvelous about that, like supernatural. It's a God thing, I guess. Say. Yeah.
1: No, but that's a that's a beautiful way of saying that. Mm-hmm.
2: So, and I have been blessed, uh, like in the past, um, but I will mention our small group. This unity that you feel—it's the same idea when two to three people pray. Jesus is there. In our small group, we always end with a prayer time, and it draws us together in a more distinct, united way. The same yearnings or desires and also the same disappointments are shared. When one hurts, we all hurt. In the years past, I began praying on a weekly basis with one or two women. This began in my university years as a single and carried on especially after the children were in school. I was very blessed to pray for two years with a former missionary who had been in the Philippines. She taught me about authenticity in prayer, tenacity in prayer, and a passion like I'd never seen or experienced Mm. before in prayer. uh, Her and her family have since moved out to the West, so um, I don't have the privilege of even visiting that much with her anymore. But presently, I have two women who are very good friends, and they are my prayer warriors. Even though they are two to three hours drive away, we are united in praying for each other, especially when it involves a high level of trust and confidentiality. Mm. So
1: It's so good. Um, you're reminding me of how important that is to have have that relationship with others, to to an accountability of prayer together. I'm feeling right now like maybe that's lacking a little in my life and it's like yeah that, that's really good that speaks to me that's mm-hmm. that's good so all of that to say for sure you have experienced God answering prayer in probably many many ways but is there a time you would like to tell us about where God answered your prayers in in a way that um was just for very, sure very
2: marked yeah very marked for sure God answered many prayers for our little granddaughter, Grace Olivia. In August 2020, our daughter-in-law, Melody, had an ultrasound that showed the two major arteries in the developing baby were reversed. It is a random defect, and the surgery to correct it is called transposition of the greater arteries, or for short, TGA. It's performed soon after birth and is a successful open heart surgery, but not without many risks. An induction and delivery were booked for January 5th, 2021 at Mount Sinai. Directly after the baby was whisked across the road to sick kids with medical intervention and drugs to keep her alive until surgery, which took place a week later. The surgery was successful. Her parents were relieved. And all the praying people were rejoicing. Mm. Today, she is a beautiful little blonde Gracie girl with a cheeky grin and deep-set blue eyes. And she is very, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that says it all.
1: <laughs> but those stories of, of newborns, like, oh, I can't imagine what you all went through having yeah. to, to walk alongside that. That's
0: yeah and Then what celebration and then what yeah. celebration yeah because yeah.
2: there was that happened in august when she had the ultrasound so there was quite a few months oh. before january oh, yeah and you where, know it's coming yeah that whole waiting period yeah.
0: waiting and praying and praying yeah, yes, yeah. for sure amazing yeah. how have you navigated disappointment when god doesn't <coughs> answer your prayers in the way you'd hoped
2: Well, I've had enough disappointments, so kind of uh, a school of hard knocks, I guess. (laughs) Um, I probably navigate disappointment with more of an acceptance of God's sovereignty than I did years ago. Mm -hmm. With personal experience of loss and suffering comes an acceptance that God is for me, not against me. Mm -hmm. He's so much greater than my disappointments, and he knows what lies ahead. He delights in me and is near me whenever I come to him in prayer. I'm just an ordinary person who believes in an extraordinary God, someone has said.
1: (laughs) You know, it's just lovely hearing your experiences and just just even the fact of how much you love talking about prayer really speaks to me because um, I just know that it is a hard thing for a lot of people mm-hmm. to, to think, how do I do this, and I want to do this well. And um, So as you've been working through these, um, thinking about this as we've been preparing to come together, is there a way that you would like to grow in the discipline of prayer where, where you're feeling a lack?
2: Um, as I spoke about past years of actually praying with one or two women, That's probably the lack in my life right now because the women that I pray for or they pray for me were distanced. Right. Um, So, having that face to face contact, I think, is, and talking, praying together is a real value, like you've already said. Yeah. And I would say that um, maybe get back to that. Mm hmm be intentional yeah. but then I'm on the older side now before when I was intentional I was young seeking out these older women in the church or seasoned prayer warriors mm-hmm. so and now you are the seasoned yeah. prayer warrior that can bless <laughs> so, a younger woman anyway that's yeah so that's where it's at right, right now <laughs> well
1: and, and there's something to this conversation because we've ta- been talking about this recently even just as a women's ministry and the mm-hmm. need for um, mentors and, and people coming alongside each other and, and even just the fact that you don't reach a certain age and you're, you're done serving God <laughs> you know exactly. and, and so as long as we're here God has a purpose for us so that's, that's good that's really yeah. good
0: We ask every guest this question, and the name of our podcast is based on this question. Can you tell us about a time in your life when you have felt broken, but God turned it into something beautiful?
2: Yes, this was a very broken experience for me. It happened 28 years ago. I lost a little one through miscarriage at 11 weeks of pregnancy. Due to complications, infection set in and my body began to shut down. At that time, my parents happened to be visiting from New Brunswick and with mom being a nurse, she urged Jerry to take me to Emerge. It was a Friday evening, but I had the best surgeon on that weekend and he performed a successful surgery and I woke up to empty arms. Hmm. Thankfully, I had a two-year-old boy to go home to as the grief set in, but I longed for just one more probably because I was an only child. A year later, June 25th, 1993, Amy Catherine was born, a beautiful baby sister for Seth something beautiful for sure the lovely gift of god's grace beloved and pure and she has lived up to her name for nearly 30 years
1: mm-hmm. isn't that they call that the rainbow baby is that right mm-hmm. the the baby that came comes after a miscarriage that wouldn't have been possible to be around if not for that miscarriage mm-hmm. have you heard that phrase before
0: i just learned that this week yeah, yeah.
2: i've heard that term and i wondered what it meant that's what yeah. it means i think
0: yeah the baby after a miscarriage yeah, yeah.
2: after the storm yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. oh, yeah
1: so it's lovely and it oh it just speaks to my heart that you're you're speaking of a, a, a loss of a, a child from over 30 years ago and it still it oh. still breaks you. And and we just know that there are other so many other yeah. moms who have journeyed this and
0: it doesn't go away. Um, and it's it's almost like the quiet unspoken grief, right? Like cuz cuz at that stage maybe not many people know, yeah, yet that there's a pregnancy and I think a lot of women suffer in silence. Mm. Yeah. Over that. So thank you for
1: sharing that. It's yeah. it's lovely, mm-hmm. and we're glad that Amy's here. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we are. And you have five grandchildren now. What a, like talk about an overabundance of, from one an only child now to yeah. five.
0: What a blessing! Yeah. What a Blessing.
2: Definitely a blessing.
0: Yeah. Janice, we like to end every podcast episode with a few rapid-fire questions about your favorite things. Sure. So uh, will you tell us, what's your favorite snack?
2: Oh, I love ice cream, and I love coffee crisp bars, chocolate bars. So Mm. if I can find ice cream that's a coffee crisp, (laughs) then you're all set. I'm set. That's (laughs) a match
0: made in heaven right there. (laughs) Uh, Do you have a favorite book?
2: I do like Tim Keller's writings. I've probably read quite a few of his books. You know, Mm -hmm. the familiar with The the Prodigal God was Mm -hmm. a really interesting read. Um, I pulled out his book on prayer, just I guess because it was interesting reading about him and his wife And his wife said, what if you just had 24 hours or so many hours left to live? And uh, it was kind of like, we should start praying every night. Mm -hmm. But the whole idea behind that was, you know, death might come, right? Mm -hmm. This was probably years ago. I don't know what the date is, and he wrote that. But anyway, from that conversation, they prayed every night together. Mm -hmm. Even if he was away, they'd do it through phone calls or whatever. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it's kind and of and, and it always takes on such a deeper
1: meaning knowing that he's no longer with us, right? And left
2: such a wonderful legacy. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna reread that book now. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's that's lovely.
0: What's your favorite time of day?
2: Oh I like the morning. Do you? Yeah. Yeah,
0: me too. And what about your favorite season of the year?
2: Oh, that's hard. I love all of them. I do love fall because Jerry asked me to marry him. Okay. In October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So it always brings a special memory reminder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah very good. Well, thank you so much for um, coming and sharing your heart with us and your story and your wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I just know others are going to be blessed by what okay. you shared. Thank You're you. You're
2: very welcome. It was an honor. Yeah.
1: So as we've been journeying along through prayer if you'll remember uh, for this segment we have been looking at the artwork of Makoto Fujimari and I'm sure I've butchered his name as much as I have probably done a terrible job of explaining some of his artwork it is it's really hard to describe his artwork it's something you really need to see and and I think more more than some you really need to see in person and so i've taken you a bit on a journey i've told you actually um, that there are there is an opportunity to see some of his artwork in person and i am so excited to have been able to do that and i would actually love to go back to uh, redeemer university which is not very far from here and just stand and and take in some of his work so the piece that i want to show you today is not at Redeemer, and it. The reason I chose it was because I just really liked it, <laughs> and it just it was just beautiful. And the more I I look at it, I actually can get some of the um, impact I think from looking at it on the screen that I haven't been able to achieve in some of the other pieces. And so, so this is. Um, called Walking on Water and Shannon I'm just gonna do get you to do your thing and describe (laughs) it for for the listeners.
0: So it's um, blue painting on a white background various shades of blue and it looks like um, kind of just swirling blue. At first I thought it was uh, snow images of snow and Various depths of snow, but now I can see a little bit of like it would be water kind of swirling.
1: It's a fascinating thing because how do you capture swirling, raging water to get to get the look? And um, yeah, I, I I know I see what you're say- what you're seeing because it makes me think a little bit of icebergs mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. But this actual piece of uh, art that he did. He calls "Walking on Water." He actually also uses it as the cover for. He has written at least two books that I'm aware of, and um, one of them is called "Art and Faith," and he uses this this painting as um, as the cover for the book. So it obviously means something to him. And one of the things that he says in the book is that there is no art if we are unwilling to wait for paint to dry. And I really like that, especially considering he's using uh, an art form. He actually creates the paint. If you remember, we talked about that in an earlier podcast. And um, he, he paints in layers, so you... It's not just once and done. He paints one layer, lets it dry, paints another layer, and he's making the paint as he goes. So this is a time-consuming process. And and he actually talks a bit about, as he's waiting for the paint to dry, that is when he is meditating on, on God's word and writing. And, um, and he, he emphasizes a lot that we are, you know, as images of God, image bearers of God, we are called to create just like he is the ultimate creator and it's so easy to lose sight of that in our very practical very rational world and he as an artist is calling us back to that and i i love that so much and and just this whole idea of of the walking on water it really speaks to me when when you think about um in the bible when this actually happens when jesus walks on water this is happening just after, first of all, John the Baptist has died. You just know that he is heart sick about that. And right away he goes and, and he feeds, the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 happens. And he's still trying to get away. And and he does. He sends his disciples on their way and a storm comes up and then he walks out to them on the water. and And you just... It just all of the emotions that would have encapsulated that day and and looking at this painting and thinking about those things happening, it just makes it more real. And I just love that art can do that. And and so I encourage you to have a look at this. um, Find the link in our show notes and have a look at this painting, because I think it will move you.
0: In our teaching time, in our series on prayer, we are looking at various prayers in scripture. So we've talked about Solomon's prayer, we've talked about Daniel's prayer, and on our last episode about Nehemiah's prayer. And now we're going to shift our focus to the New Testament and talk about several of Paul's prayers, the Apostle Paul's prayers in scripture. So we'll talk about two of them today and then uh, two on our next episode. Paul's prayers are shorter than some of the ones we've looked at already. And this first one is in Colossians chapter 1, and it says this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul is praying for the Colossian believers and note what he doesn't pray for. He doesn't pray for their safety. He doesn't pray for their healing or material blessings. Instead, he prays for spiritual things. He prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that they can walk and live in a way that's worthy of the Lord and so that their lives will bear fruit for the kingdom. I just think that's such a powerful, amazing prayer, not only to pray over your own life, but over the lives of your kids your husband your friends um just a really powerful prayer there's another one of paul's prayers in ephesians chapter one and he says this for this reason because i have heard of your faith in the lord jesus and your love toward all the saints i do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers that the god of our lord jesus christ the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So again, we see here that Paul is praying for spiritual things. He asks for the eyes of their hearts to be enlightened. He wants them to know the incredible hope to which they were called. He wants them to experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power. Again, this is such a powerful prayer to pray over your loved ones. I think um, as I read these prayers, I'm convicted because my prayers don't often sound like <laughs> this. Um, my prayers are often much more materially focused and circumstantially focused. Um, but I think it's a good reminder to us to to pray about the things that are on God's heart as well. Not that those material things don't matter, because they do. God cares about every detail of our lives, but as we um, join Him in in what is His will for us, I I just think that takes us to a whole new level of prayer.
1: That's really well said. It's so beautiful, some of these prayers that God has provided us in His Word. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a time when I would read some of the um, epistles and skip over the prayers because Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, I want to get to the good stuff. Like what what was Paul or whoever actually, what was his message? And Mm -hmm. think that the prayer part was just like a preamble, (laughs) not really that important. And that's really changed in more recent years. And um, it's good to emphasize those and think about those. So thank you for sharing that. I want to point out, too, that... We've talked a bit about some of the resources that um, are accessible th- from Pete Griggs' book, um, How to Pray, but he actually is part of this organization, 24 7 Prayer, and they have a lot of resources. And so we want to make sure you're, you are aware of those. We've put the resources, um, some links for you in the show notes. But one of the things he has, they, they have an app that is. It's actually a, a prayer app. It's a, I think it's called Lectio three sixty five, and every day there is a different set of two prayers, actually, morning and night, to just guide you through an actual. Every every prayer is different every day, just to guide you through, help you if you're not sure how do, how do I begin this? How do I do this? Um, there are some resources out there to to help, and and always those those prayers are embedded in scripture, so. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll end with that. We want to thank Janice for joining us today and thank you all for listening. And And we will just close again in the, in the prayer that is the prayer of all prayers that Jesus taught his disciples and therefore us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. a podcast for the women of Wallenstein Bible Chapel, where we meet one another in story, in art, and in Christ. You can subscribe by going on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts so that you will be notified when the next show drops. Also, please be sure to check out our show notes for more details and join in the conversation on either Facebook at mosaic.podcast.wbc or on Instagram at mosaic.podcast. We pray that you will be inspired and encouraged as you travel your own personal journey from brokenness to beauty.